The Agora podcast is covered by a BIPCOT no-gov license. Use and reuse is free and encouraged by anyone except governments or their agents. Find out more at BIPCOT.org. If there's girls still growing up in this world to believe they can't sing rock and roll, I don't want to live in this world anymore. And we're back. Welcome back to the Agora Podcast. It's Penguin here with my co-host, Sek Magora, coming at you uh, live. We are streaming live, live for our patrons. And uh, if you're listening uh, to this in recording, which I'm sure in this case you are, uh, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Uh, today we have another episode of our Women in, Women, Women of Anarchism series, or Women in Anarchism, as all of uh, our guests so far have been women that are alive and actively anarchist. Uh, so, Sek, why don't you go ahead and introduce our guests if you don't have any announcements. Nope, no announcements. Uh, today we're bringing Katron. Uh, Katron's a friend from Twitter. Um, she's an overall shit poster, and uh, I actually don't know her that well, so I'm going to kind of let her introduce herself. Katron, welcome to the uh, Women in Anarchism series. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you guys? Doing all right. Pretty tired. Um, yeah, yes. it's a, yeah, it's a beautiful day here. We've been working outside all day. So. Yeah, we're having like pretty awesome weather, too. It's just been really nice. It finally feels like spring, so I'm really, really, really happy about that. Yeah, I love spring. Um, so, uh, like I told you before we started... Um, why don't we start with your, well, your, your thoughts. Let's go with thoughts on anarchism. Like, what is your, um, what is anarchism to you? Um, essentially, just being able to have your own self-autonomy, just to do, you know, obviously not what you, essentially what you want to do, right? But having that, your own self-thoughts, essentially, um, and being your own individual self. Right on. How long have you been an anarchist? Um, honestly, it started, I, I don't know if I should just go like through like how it all came to be. But so basically, um, you know, I come from a home where my parents were social, like they're them socks, essentially. Um, so for me, I started like getting a lot of this ideology pushed onto me. So me rebelling against what my parents were essentially brought me to, you know, the being a libertarian. So I think um, from then on, I decided that um started doing more reading and just, you know, as I kept getting more into like, you know, like writers and shit like that. So I started, um, then I went through the whole like anarcho-capitalism um, ideology and essentially now I'm more of a, you know, more of a egoist, I guess. Right on. How long ago was this? Like, how um, long did that journey take you, I guess? Well, this all started in my teens, you know, like, that's when I started getting into it, because that's essentially, you know, and, and it came along, too, because I met a lot of people within the punk community, you know, I started going to shows and started doing a lot of that, and essentially, they introduced, you know, they started talking to other libertarians within the punk community, and essentially, that carried over to college, you know, and I started reading more, and then that's... um. Basically, I would say, like, in my early 
20s that I started getting more into like anarchism, you know, just be started identifying as an anarcho-capitalist. And then essentially, you know, once uh, after the coup situation happened, then, you know, like, that's when I started becoming, like, I started moving away from that. And, you know, I became an egoist. That's an interesting journey because uh, I went through, my path was very similar in the, that I was very into the punk scene, but also at, uh, got pretty heavily into anarcho-capitalism for a lot of years. And I did not meet, a, I met a lot of other anarchists, but I did not meet a lot of other punk uh, and caps by, by any means. But um, so awesome. Um, well, um, so what, um, something I've been trying to just, uh, I don't know what the word is for it, but like gather or, or get at is like, what do you think um, might be a, a unique perspective um you as you know as a woman uh the, what is the um a unique perspective or a unique uh sort of wisdom about anarchism that you might uh have a, a obtained or have um you know with me more um this is a really hard one to answer <laughs> Um, I, I feel like, uh, you know, and I guess I, I don't even know how to like kind of word it because it's just, you know, um, well, with me, I feel like it's led me to a path of, you know, just kind of like learning more things about myself, you know, learning more like essentially just doing, you know, stuff like for my own, especially like around like COVID time, you know, like I, you know, I started like doing like a lot of gardening, you know, just kind of things like that. So, I really want to say that person. I just, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just like super nervous right now. So I'm just like, ah, I don't know. Oh, no, it's, it's you're, you're, all, you're all good. Ramble away. If you don't ramble, I will. So just go ahead and ramble. <laughs> you know, so in, in that particular perspective, you know, and it's also, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just like super nervous right now. I don't, I don't do these things. So I'm just like, ah. No, it's, um, it's weird. It's weird and awkward. Don't worry about it. Okay. All right. So, yeah, so I would say, you know, just kind of learning a lot, you know, to do like different things, you know, about myself and just being able, you know, to just be my who I am I, in my own individual self, I would say. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's been a constant journey for me. I've never stopped moving around and bouncing around different ideas myself. Like I've, I've never reached a plateau and I don't think you're supposed to. But even as a podcaster, like I am completely in flux and learning new things every day and, and i know for me like podcasting it's not because i'm an authority on anything i think you can like having a podcaster that's like really got a bunch of done a lot of studies and very credentialed person and also is a great speaker and knows a lot of people and i could he, he could totally be authority on some things i'm not i'm just trying to share the things that i'm learning in, and mostly listening on other podcasts um, with the audience that I think would really enjoy the um, distilled ideas. But yeah, you really sound like a lot of our audience, I think, comes from the same, comes from a very similar path. I, I, I come from a little bit different path, uh, a little bit different trajectory. Definitely don't come out of like the punk scene or anything like that. But I think that's that's very much a common story of of our little community, I think that we have around this podcast for sure. So you def definitely fit right in here. 
<laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, I do, and I do all like just you know from being online or whatever. I think I've met some amazing people. You know, even though it might not be like exact ideology. You know, we kind of just like share a lot of similar things. You know, you don't see it's it's funny because it you know like you were mentioning earlier, you don't meet a lot of uh, ANCAPs. Granted, I'm not ANC. I don't identify as an ANCAP anymore. But at the time, I you know you didn't meet many ANCAPs that you know within the punk scene and it's it was kind of cool like once you start like I started getting on Twitter at the time you know like this was a little bit you know like maybe 2017 or whatever and I started meeting a lot of people that were you know that were you know ANCAP and listened to punk and whatever and I was like it's awesome that it's just you could find that small community just within you know Twitter you know or just that app or whatever. Hey y'all it's Resonance um yeah from the let's make some shit podcast uh here telling you guys about some of the new stuff i've got at appalachian apothecary right now i have a remineralizing tooth powder that's made with calcium carbonate and bentonite clay um i have a four ounce jars that i'm selling for 10 bucks a piece and then uh also i've done a couple of body butters um, they're whipped tallow body butters, one's infused with arnica, and the other one is a very potent pain reliever. And if you'd like more info on that, you can find me at radical underscore resonance on Telegram or at Mother of Chaos, X-A-O-S, on Twitter. Um, I'd be happy to make tinctures for you regarding like any medical condition that you have. So please reach out to me and let's see if we can get you some herbal remedies. Yeah, for real. That's a pretty, you can find whatever little niche interest you want on the internet, you know, whatever you're into, you can find somebody else's into it. Um, so what, what, um, was it just reading Sterner that kind of drifted you away from anarcho-capitalism or was it something else? Um, um how, it how was, was that journey like? Probably, it was probably that, um, you know, I started, essentially yeah it was basically just like reading a lot into like sterner you know and it's that i think the thing that kind of like drifted me away from that is the fact that um i really just started seeing and you know this is my own personal opinion you know whether you think that or not i i you know essentially up to you but i just started you know really seeing that the faults within you know capitalism itself as well you know like it's essentially it goes crony and it's just it, it's unfortunate but it really does so it's just a lot of that i would say that kind of just drifted me away from um that particular belief system and it's just you know i i, I, I that's what i would say happened essentially it wasn't like this like whole like super like complex like you know journey with that but you know that's essentially what happened yeah pretty similar here too Although it took me 10 years <laughs> to, to go through that journey. But uh, um, so let, let, me, let me circle back here. What was your politics before you were, I mean, you said your parents were democratic socialists, but like, what was your, did you have a political identity before you got into anarchism or is it straight to, you know, nothing to, to anarchism? Oh, I was I was a libertarian. Oh, sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like so, LP libertarian. 
Yeah, like LP Libertarian. Okay, okay. Which my parents didn't like quite a lot, but... <laughs> um, it was funny because I remember um, my first... The first time that I voted, it was like the only time I've ever voted. It was uh, for... What was, the, what, was the, what was the 2008 bar? Was it Bill Barr? Like, oh, I think God, was yeah, Barr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <Fucking> voted for him. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the only time I've ever voted. <laughs> Don't feel bad. I voted for Ron Paul in 08. So, um, I probably, I, I, I was, oh, at least politically, oh, I see, I had been an anarchist for a long I'm old. I might be a little older than you, but I'd been an anarchist for a while by that point. And I knew enough about Bill Barr that I'm like, that guy's fucking CIA. Like, just, uh, yeah. I was not, yeah. not into it at all. So, um, I did get sucked into the Ron Paul thing for a minute, but, um, but you know, I wasn't into bar. I probably would have voted for Brown, you know, during that time if I was a little more cared about politics a little bit more. But uh, that was that was a while ago. That was back in two thousand or something. But um, anyway, so so nothing to libertarian to anarchist. Well, at least you. That's, I mean, that's not a bad. <laughs> that's not bad at all. That's a decent path. Um, you know, some people, it takes a long, long journey through a lot of other stuff before they get to anarchism. So yeah, I think in some ways you're fortunate. Do you think that way or? Um, honestly, it was just honestly, and I'm going to be quite like frank with you. Like the only reason that I even like drifted into being a libertarian is because more of like, just kind of like go against the grain with my parents, you know, because I was like, I'm not going to be like, you know, I don't want to read. I don't want to read all those stupid socialist like books. And so it was more of a me being rebelling against my parents, essentially. But then essentially, I ended up finding I'm like, oh, this is actually something I'm really into. So yeah, I guess uh, it was kind of lucky to try to rebel against my parents because it took me through that path. Yeah, now that's classic. When you said, yeah, when you said your parents were doing the democratic socialism and everything, or um, whatever they were into, uh, but you know, I, I think that some sometimes these things are a little bit cyclical. Like right now, I, uh, ideas in general on the left, uh, especially like the you know progressive left, there's some sort of like um, uh, you know intermediate type of socialist ideas are kind of I don't know ascendant, but they're sort of accepted by the mainstream more than they would have been in the past, you know, um, maybe that's a little more complicated than in reality than it actually is, but I could see totally because of that cyclical nature of the thing that you did that now, or if, uh, several years ago, it just makes a lot more sense that being a libertarian is all, all of a sudden like rebellious and punk in a way that it may not have seemed to be that way in like a previous generation and everything. And, and, you know, so, I mean, it totally makes sense. Those ideas still, you know, totally make a lot of sense and everything. But, uh, you know, we've got to find something past the standard electoral, electoral route. And I think everybody has to have something to stand on other than kind of the LP, which doesn't seem to stand on much. Oh, no, it's, 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 it's I mean, just kind of looking back, you know, just like, essentially that's, one of the things that kind of pushed me um, into um, more into being, a, you know, ANCAP at the time was because I was, you know, going to um, to, you know, like meetings and stuff 
with my local chapter. And I remember, because um, they used to have a one monthly meeting that they used to hold on Thursdays. And so um, I remember at the time that I was at one of these meetings, because um, even though I was a libertarian, I'm still very consistent with the fact that I'm very like anti-border. But I remember like once it started, you know, because at the time, during the time, like I was also, sorry, I'm just kind of like scattering with this, but um, I started reading, started reading more like anarchist theory. Like I was like reading Spooner, I was reading Emma Goldman. So I was just reading different, you know, schools of it. Um, and so um, I remember like I was the last meeting that I went to. And the chair at that meeting started going on a rant about how he, like we should be closing borders, like blah blah blah. I'm like, you know what? I'm fucking done with these people. Like, this shit is insane. Like, I I just couldn't identify with them, you know, because you know I come from, you know, like I came t- to this country illegally. Obviously, you know, like I have a lot of family members that are illegal. So I was like, you know what? This is bullshit. You guys claim to be like anti-government, anti, you know, anti-state, yet you are preaching this ideology, which is contradicting to what you're saying you are. Yeah, it's the problem with labels, I think. And that's why, like, I think you get to a certain point, and I don't know you very well, and I don't know, like, how old you are, but I know I hit a point where, well, I hit a point originally where, like, yeah, a, a lot of times it was tongue-in-cheek, all the all the crazy different labels that just really kind of pseudo leftist like just spouting jargon and labels and everything but it's like really like you want to label these people this these people this these people this but um i've kind of i don't have like i kind of alluded to before i don't have any kind of uh, crazy labels for what i am or what i believe this hyphen this hyphen this eventually you just kind of learn a lot and you, and you kind of stay on, stay on your own reputation for, for what you, what you're known as saying. Um, so it gets really hard when you, when you try to create a group, label it the libertarian and libertarian, libertarian can mean like 50 different things and you have no idea what you're walking into. I, I, I ran into something very similar when I first started listening to like a libertarian radio programming and I was like, Oh, why don't I go check out the libertarian meeting? And oh my God, it was, probably even worse it was notoriously bad well i later found out is they're, they're notoriously bad but it, oh my god it was worse it was as bad as you described the worst they were doing let's see they started with the uh <laughs> pledge of allegiance and the, the the lord's prayer or something i forgot it was just it was definitely the pledge no it was a prayer too um which and you know what i've, I've come to I have not come to terms with the uh pledge of allegiance or really having the lord's prayer at a at, at a um a libertarian meeting it's it's just kind of self-defeating if you want to attract uh, large groups of people you know i've really come to terms with, like if you want to be a conservative be a conservative that's fine but uh yeah you really don't know what you're 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 walking into and that's why i think people find a lot of more solace on the internet you know we're, we're able to actually connect with a lot more like-minded people and cross-pollinate each other through the internet um without the internet we wouldn't have this podcast or most podcasts so um yeah i I, I was warned a lot about, you know, Twitter and social media and how it's it's garbage and it's, you know, it's toxic and everything. But I, I've really found so much, um, obviously not like serious discourse all the time, but so much so much of uh, the community um, that I found out there and kind of like said cross-pollination of ideas comes from like, honestly, 
typically a fairly small, fairly small, and then getting larger concentric circles of people that I interact with on Twitter. So um, I am all for the medium. I I, I'm, I will never be a Twitter hater. Oh, no, for sure. Yeah, like, it's, you know, granted, I mostly like shit posts. <laughs> but, you know, like, I've had some great discourse with people, even people that wouldn't say that are like, that I necessarily agree with, you know, but I've had some fantastic discourse and have met some wonderful people. Um, So yeah, I'm definitely I would well, I always like say, Oh, fuck the bird app, you know, I, I'm for it. I'm all for it. I've met some wonderful people on there. Yeah, I got dragged to Twitter, twi- kicking and screaming, but uh, I'm okay with it now. I mostly, I'm not on there much, but uh, I I kind of dig it. I've met some okay people there, but um, so hey, so if you don't mind sharing, like what what is your sort of cultural heritage and and how do you think that that I mean you already mentioned one example, but how do you think that that is sort of informed? your perspective on anarchism if there if it has it all um yeah definitely so um just kind of like circling back to you know that whole like um that whole incident you know with the libertarian party meeting um so you know i guess when we could kind of circle this back to like i would take it back to you know 08 09 um you know when i started getting i wasn't necessarily like super active you know involved in like um you know with like activism or whatever but um i remember um it was one of the uh you know one of the second uh protests i ever went to uh back in 09 it wasn't like this huge protest but there was a member i don't know if you guys obviously you guys remember when essentially wall street got fucking bailed um so this is a precursor to occupy and so um one of my good friends at the time was you know she identified as um, essentially as an ancom so she's like hey you should come join us at the protest and it was kind of cool because like you got to see different kinds of people it wasn't just like leftists you know there were like libertarians there and um you know it, it was a very small protest you know so that was uh one of the last times that i you know that I went to in a while. But I remember um, after this all happened, you know, just me thinking it's just like, you know, like these motherfuckers are literally like sitting there and just like smugly, like just, you know, like the bankers are essentially getting bailed out and we're just sitting here. Everybody's losing like their houses, you know, which at the time, a lot of my family members started losing their jobs. Um, and I know I have a couple of them that, you know, that are illegal. So it was really hard for people to find jobs at the time. And obviously it's going to be triple, like harder for you if you don't have papers essentially. So, um, some of these family members, like got a lot of assistance from, you know, local communities. And I started getting involved with an organization in my hometown, um, with, uh, you know, with just kind of like helping people find resources or getting them hooked up with pro bono attorneys. And um, the way that I found myself doing that is because we were desperately trying to find a, our family, you know, a way to help our family members. 
So I was doing that for a little bit. And so I think that kind of like started changing my perspective because it was around obviously that time when I, you know, became an anarchist, it, when I started experiencing more within that my community. Um, yes, so that's, that's sort of a prime example of, um, you know, this is cliche to say, but how, how, you know, state intervention sort of cuts off the, I don't want, uh, what, know what the word is, the, the least off among us or those in like the, the most precarious situations. Like it seems that state intervention uh, for obvious reasons uh, tends to hurt those people the most. Um, so, you know, it's, it's easy. Um, I, it's easy for me to, to see how, things like what you're talking about um, is a, a much better use of our time to, to help those that need help or, or provide resources on, you know, in a, in a very sort of community activist or direct action sort of a way. And I don't know why this is not more obvious to even people like I give uh, I'll give a lot of social Democrats the sort of the benefit of the doubt, even though I couldn't agree, I couldn't disagree more with their politics. But I think that many of them, at the very least, want to help people who need help. It, it's just I don't think they make the connection that the, you know, the state is soaked in blood and, you know, tramples on the weak and the poor. Um, and anything that you have the state do, it's going to be, you know, cops kicking in poor people's doors, um, to enforce these sorts of things. So it's like, I, I understand that. And we've had a lot of former social Democrats on the show that were now anarchists. And for them, it was an easy switch because they come still come at it from like a place of empathy. They want to help those that need help. They, it's just a matter of a different strategy or a better method of, of, of doing this. And I had a question here and I completely just rambled, but uh, I guess my question is, is uh, do you think that there is sort of inroads with, um, you know, democratic socialists or people that are of that ilk who generally just want to help like the poor and those um, who are, are um, going through hard times for one reason or another or um you know can't find work or the economy just shit the bed and they give billions to bankers and the people lost their house or whatever if you know it could they be shown a, a better method of doing these things and uh, through you know direct action and community outreach yeah i mean in, in a way I, I i feel like they can you know like um the I think my one issue with um, with that particular groups like the democratic socialists and you know I'm not saying they're all like generally bad people because I do feel like some of them generally want to help um, is the fact that you like the ones that completely essentially just kind of like overshadow the ones that do want to help are you know what I call the photo op like activists. Um, you know, the ones that are there and, you know, just want to help around the time and they essentially they, they leave. And, you know, like I'm I we live in like a very like 
in not the best neighborhood. And so there were some protests, you know, that happened, you know, within the city that we live in and people started building community gardens. And so I passed these gardens, like probably a couple of um, a couple of times a week. I mean, I work from home, so I never really drive around too much, but it's, it's really sad because the gardens, if, I, I would say a few years ago um, when, you know, when the protests were happening for, you know, George Floyd, they were, they were active. People were going into the, the community gardens and, you know, just working them. And then when around the time, like we moved in here, it, it's overgrown. So it's just like, it was, it was, it started like such a cool thing. Like it was great that they were doing this, but I feel like essentially the only reason it was being done is just because it was the cool thing to do at the time, you know? So um, it, maybe I just have a really bad perspective of, you know, that particular crowd, but I feel like that's how I see them. Like they just want to do it because it's cool and it's great. And, you know, you want to help your community just because it's, everybody's doing it. And it then, the communities that they're trying to help just got abandoned. I I would bet that that's more common than more common than not actually, uh, um, because it really boils down to if you want to outsource your responsibility to help your the people people in need and in, in, in your community you don't really have the drive to do it yourself in the first place. And what I mean by outsource, if you want to have politicians do these things for you um, instead of just doing it themselves, then you really don't have it in your heart to begin with. And, and this is not true for um, everyone. I, I'm not making like an absolute standpoint, but this is, I think this is more common than people might think. And, you know, we get accused of being, we as anarchists get accused of being, you know, we hate the poor, or cold, or, or, or whatever the thing. But I think that we, at least what I've seen, and maybe it's just the the circles I run in, tend to be more uh, actively doing things and, and helping people in our community and helping those less fortunate and building things, building new things, uh, building new systems for support and food production and everything, you know. So... Um, I think what you're seeing is, uh, you know, a lot of, I think a lot of, you know, democratic socialists, I think a lot of them are from sort of upper middle class backgrounds. They've probably never gotten their hands dirty. And um, <clears throat> I don't think they really want to put the work in to, that is required to actually help communities and, and, up, uh, and those that are less fortunate. I think they want to have the maid do it in some sense, right? Um, at least that's been my experience. Is that sort of like uh, trans? Does that uh, sound right to you? Um, yeah, I would I would pretty much say that sounds right. And I feel like, I mean, the one I would say like exception. Granted, my mom hasn't been actively like, you know, just doing things just because she's older now. Um, but I I mean, growing up, like I, you know, my mom uh it was she's retired now but she was a bilingual teacher so she was very active within you know like helping like her students you know helping parents because there were parents that would obviously don't speak the language or with after school activities or things like that and so and with that whole um you know when taking it back to when she got me involved into that you know organization and just kind of assisting people so 
Um, and, you know, my mom did, my family doesn't come from like a very rich background either. So it was kind of like, mm -hmm. I, th I guess it's like when you're helping your own people and your own communities, you know, or mm -hmm. when you're helping people that are down, you know, it's as opposed to where you get like the rich democratic socialists, you know, that again, like you said, come from very, you know, rich backgrounds and just don't want to really help. They just do it because it's a photo op, essentially. Yeah, it looks good on their Facebook page or whatever for a day, you know. Yeah, well, when you're doing, when you're, I don't know, when you're getting, um, when you're doing ground up grassroots kind of organizing and in action. So actually, you're doing action. I guess if you were just doing organizing, they probably would love doing organizing. But when you're doing action um, on a grassroots level, I think. I'm not going to say that they're unwilling or not able to put in the work for that, but I think, you know, having a motivating factor that you are kind of bucking the establishment or working outside the establishment in a way that like you're, you ideologically value. And as opposed to, I guess, having so much acceptance and I would say like nominal acceptance of like, left-wing views in the establishment is very very nominal i think but that yes we the left is kind of uh perceived as and again perceived as um ascendant in like the agenda the agenda or like like the points that the centralized kind of uh wealth welfare state in bevy of social programs and funding for social programs is is, is increasing it's we're in a trajectory where like we could get more of these programs more assistance more um comprehensive programs and and, and labor rights and, and and stuff like that um which i don't know is actually the case but seeing that we you know if I'm a democratic socialist saying that, yeah, we value like the economies of scale and everything that and economies of scope and stuff that come from having a large bureaucratic state that administers these programs that really, I don't think they have a, as much value. Like when they're going out to do that kind of work in when they do or when they're doing community organizing or whatever, I don't think they really assign as much value to that because it doesn't have the, the, you know, supposed economies of scale um, as the sort of policy, the sort of government policy that they're advocating for. And, you know, to some extent that's also, <clears throat> they're right in the sense that their goals kind of do require that economy of scale. But I, I think that, people like us three uniquely value that kind of grassroots activity or it's, it's if you consider a type of direct action or whatever, but that sort of gra grassroots bottom up um, organizing and just doing action just to do it at whatever scale at the local scale. And there's no, there's no problem with that. We aren't looking for a uh, nationwide, you know, continent wide program to implement anything in particular because we recognize the the value and utility of what we're doing then and there right um and, and you know i feel like at the end of the day um you really just obviously can't rely on the state to be able to provide assistance and fully 
do it for the right reason because they don't you know like for example like just with my particular you know situation where you know we're trying to help our family members or whatever it's just like they don't really care they just don't the the state doesn't give a fuck they want to just you know essentially they they just they're just there to fuck people and that's all it really is you know so we, you can't rely on the state for that assistance. So that's where you have to have, you know, your communities and just people come coming together and helping each other out in that particular sense. Um, you know, however they can. It's just you, that's not something that you could just put responsibility onto the state because it just wouldn't work. So um, I think that is more common. See, I grew up poor. So I remember what it was. I mean, we're poor in the middle of the sticks. um, So at least we're kind of able to grow grow our own food to some degree. But um, I think a lot of it comes to, comes down to class, man. Like, uh, so I'm, I was, I was raised poor and politicians mostly weren't right. Active, a lot of activists, I think, or especially the, the certain the the type of activists we were talking about, you know, you call them the photo op activists. A lot of them were not raised poor either. And I just I know how it is to go without and to be poor and to scrape by and to stress about money. And I in turn, now that I'm more financially comfortable in my older years, we spend a lot of our time helping those that are falling on hard times. And it's just a matter of I I think that I'm better able to empathize with people that um, are falling on hard times because I've fucking been there a bunch of times in my life. Right. And I think a lot of politicians and social workers and all these mostly necessarily come from a, a uh, you know, sort of a, a more affluent class background and they've probably never wanted for anything in their life. To, so to them, like, Poor folks are just like numbers on a ledger somewhere, right? You're just you're a either you know it's a, a voting block. You're or, uh, it's just a, um, <clears throat> numbers or folders or files going through a computer screen. You know what I mean? It means nothing to these people. They've never wanted for known what it's like to worry about where your food's coming from. You know, so they don't have that same ability to empathize with i i don't think with people who are who have uh, you know fallen on hard times for whatever reason that people who have or are currently through uh poor or have gone without are able to do i i think the you know the the most um effective sort of i don't want to say activists but the effective you know community organizers are people doing mutual aid groups in their uh, networks or in their neighborhoods or, you know, just helping out the, the local, you know, homeless peeps in your, in your community. I think those, uh, the most effective ones have probably been there themselves. Right. Um, just cause you know how it is. You got, you're, you're better. You have a, a like a true, like a, from the heart connection, you know, in in some sense, like, cause you've both been in that same situation. You can kind of like, uh, <laughs> Um, empath- you can empathize better than some bu- bureaucrat can just seeing numbers on a, a computer screen, right? So I, I think there's, I think there's a lot to that, and I think that's why 
sort of local bottom-up organizing community organizing is more effective than say like the state trying to do anything for the poor what do you think about that um no definitely definitely agree you know i feel like when when you've been in that situation when you are working within you know your own community where you're organizing within your own community it's agreed it's more effective than the government or the state trying to do it on your behalf which was it was the funniest thing too watching that you know when all the protesting and organizing was going on during um you know the george floyd protest because it was just like all these politicians who have who were calling for like organizing you know like the you know the um the the shit lives you know the shit live politicians they were calling for organizing and you know, it, it's, it's kind of funny because they were calling for organizing just because they, you know, for because they saw these people like these are people who will vote, vote for us. You know, they, they didn't do it because they truly care, because honestly, they they don't give a fuck. So, um, you know, I agree. Um, organizing and, you know, just doing community action or helping out. It's it's more efficient when it comes from your, you know, from your own community, when everybody comes and gets together and assist as opposed to, um, you know, the state doing that for you. So where does um, where's your your where was your family from originally, if you don't mind me asking? Um, no, not at all. So my family, uh, I, well, my my parents were born in Mexico City, and I was born in Mexico City too, mm. but they're originally from um, uh, Jalisco, Mexico, um, and so um, yeah, that's where they're from. Um, they. My mom's side, I mean, I really, I mean, it's not that I, I I don't talk to my dad, but it's just, you know, like, I just, I don't see him as often because he doesn't live, he lives, he doesn't live here. So, um, so my family in Jalisco, they come, um, you know, they come from Jalisco, Mexico, and, you know, from my grandmother's, at least from my mom's side, you know, like, they're very, uh, they're, uh, they come from Wixarica, uh, which is uh, an Udo Aztec group. So that's where my family's from. So I've seen from your post that you've been kind of, um, I don't know what the word is, um, just kind of getting familiar with your sort of cultural heritage or some spiritual beliefs. Are you familiar at all? Like, I know there's a lot of anarchists sort of uh, down, you know, Central and South America. Are you familiar with any in the that you're that you've studied in, in sort of uh, Mexico area? Yeah, um, I'm obviously one of the most, you know, well-known ones is um, um, EZLM, you know, like the mm -hmm. Zapatista movement. Yeah. Um, I think that's because and it's not granted, but like a lot of them, you know, even Marcos himself, because uh, I remember there was a few years ago, um, maybe in the 90s, um, a bunch of American anarchists were saying like, oh, like, you know, like, like, you know, Zapatistas are probably like, you know, like, you know, some sort of like socialist or like anarchist. And I remember it was kind of funny because Marcos, who, you know, was lead at the time, um, he basically wrote a letter to this. It was like a distro. I got to find it. I wish I, I wish I could have had that on hand. But there was a distro that, you know, that received the letter essentially where he says that stated that Zapatista movement is not just anarchist. It's not communist. It's not socialist. They have many different people from many different backgrounds. And essentially what 
brought them together is just the fact, you know, that they're defending their territories and their lands. So it was it was interesting to see that because, um, I, I, you know, it's just um, Americans usually assume like they see Zapatista, they're like, oh, well, they're like, you know, they're just anarchists or communists. No, there's just so many different groups and beliefs and people within that movement itself. It's, uh, it's you know, there's, you know, there, I think he mentioned something within that letter that there's teachers, there's priests, there's you know, different people that you would never think would be in that organized movement that are involved in that movement. Yeah, I think if anybody in the America has even heard of the Zapatistas, they probably still kind of conflate it with like, not still, but they would conflate it in their heads with like Shea or, you know, some other sort of South American revolution. Um, if they know what it is at all, and it has nothing to do with any of that. But they, I think a lot of Americans would sort of lump the, all that in together, right? Yeah, um, yeah for yeah. sure. Yeah. From my understanding, uh, <clears throat> the Zapatistas, it's highly decentralized and uh, sort of a mesh network of co-ops, in a sense. It's similar, I think, to even Rojava. Um, in the, in the, but I, I'm not entirely familiar with it, but that's just kind of my understanding is this, uh, highly decentralized. Um, yes. yeah. Um, so you could, uh, yeah, it makes entirely, makes a lot of sense to me that it's a vast, uh, variety of different people with different beliefs, just sort of co-mingling in their own little, uh, territory there. But yeah, I'm, I'm, uh. I'm a fan. I don't know a ton about it, but um, I like when any sort of people can carve out their own free territory. You know, um, um, I like to see experiments like that, you know, um, so um, cool. Um, do you have much more time? Oh, it's only been 45 minutes. Okay. Um, do you want to um, you've been posting a lot lately about um sort of your spiritual beliefs you want to mm-hmm. you want to where did the if you if you don't mind uh what sort of how long you've been getting into that and you know what what got you sort of into spiritualism um so a lot of it is just from it's just been passed down mm-hmm. um so i like a lot of like the curandera, which is kind of like healing, like it's a little bit complex to explain, and like the whole like Mexican brujeria um, thing has been passed down from my family. A lot of it, I learned it from my grandmother. Um, I, I took a long break from it. Um, yeah, I guess I, my question is, what got you back into it? Or, oh, you what know, got me yeah, back yeah. into it? Yeah, <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, I mean, I've. I do it. I, it's, it's, I wouldn't say get back into it because honestly, what happened with a lot of it, sorry, I'm just moving, shifting around here. Um, essentially, a lot of it I just didn't share. It just wasn't something that I felt the need to share. Um, so essentially, like, I just didn't think that I had to share. But as I'm, you know, I'm, recently i'm like why do i have to hide this like i don't feel like i need to hide if anything i should probably post more about post about it and you know because people always have questions and there's always miscon you know like things that are you know misconstrued within spiritualism you know so 
um, I was like, okay, I'm just going to start Santa Muerte posting. <laughs> so, yeah, I think um, I started um, getting more into it a few years ago um, and started practicing again because uh, this is uh, just more of like a personal thing. But if I was married to like this super Republican rhinoid who just wasn't into it. Like he would just be like, oh, I don't want that shit around my house and blah, blah. So I'm just like, okay, I guess I'm not going to have that. And just as essentially like a little bit, a few years before my divorce, I was like, you know what? Fuck this shit. I'm going to practice and uh, just, you know, practice my beliefs and start getting my altars back up and, you know, fuck it. So that's kind of how it's, it went. <laughs> Well, that's cool. I'm glad you have the freedom to do that now. Um, something I've noticed, and I don't know what it is, and I've talked about this with a few people, but it seems like, um, you know, I've always been kind of interested in spiritualism and the occult, and I, too, like sort of um, just put that aside for a while and just sort of focused on material things but i don't mean like just stacking money but just like making quote unquote real changes in my life and community rather than focusing on that sort of thing and i sort of put that on a shelf for a long time too but something i've noticed and i sort of got back into it a bit here recently a few years back maybe but i've noticed it becoming very common amongst anarchists and i um you know a lot of i mean we a friend of ours brian sabin he's super into kabbalah i know another uh, another friend of ours shane super into like hermetic teachings and the occult and stuff and um that's i kind of dabble in a little bit of all that and uh got a few more friends that are just like super and, and i don't mean occult as in like Ooh, spooky bad. I just mean like uh, like ancient mystic teachings, right? Um, but I, I've been noticing it more and more, and I don't know. You know, me and uh, my f friend Brian Sabin, he we made the joke. It's it's the age of Aquarius, right? It's just that there's something changing in the culture at large that makes it sort of more acceptable now. I I don't know. Um, and maybe that's it. Maybe more people are just more anarchist. I mean, are, are just uh, feeling more comfortable with that. Uh, I think a lot of maybe anarchists sort of got burned out on like this, uh, what I would call like hyper rationalism in a sense. Uh, maybe COVID scared the shit out of a lot of people and they had to find, you know, had, you know, the, the proverbial come to Jesus moment. I don't know, but is this been the case? Um, is this something that you see as well? Has um, this been like the case for you? Are you noticing more of that? Um, and why, if so, why do you think that is? Um, honestly, no, I could definitely say the same thing because um, just, you know, thinking about some of the people that I knew that, you know, identified as anarchists when, you know, in my early 20s, um, a lot of them were like, atheist and they self-identified as atheist because um obviously there was there's always been this whole belief with you know like a perfect example you know like with the the vatican you know like you just think of like 
a lot of them, a lot of people were just angry with the fact that, you know, when they started getting into like atheism, um, and I know a lot of them are Christian, were Christian before this. Um, they, it's just that resentment that you have things like the Vatican, you know, like walls plated with gold, you know, but then you have the same people that, you know, you have your own followers that are donating money who could barely make it afloat, you know, so it's just been that resentment against, you know, the church and the state. So I think now as the years have gone by, I feel like people are finding a way to become more spiritual, um, especially within, you know, the anarchist communities, like, because I've seen it so much, like, it's just like people that I didn't even know were spiritual, like are spiritual. It is something like that. I'm like, that's crazy. Like, it's awesome, though. It's great to see that people are coming back into those beliefs and I and honestly I think COVID was the factor and I don't think it was so much the fact that a lot of people were like oh my god I'm gonna die from COVID or you know that sense it's just like everybody was isolated a lot of people you know lost a lot of family members and I wouldn't say to COVID I would just say lost family members you know like that would stop talking to them because of their political beliefs, things like that. So I think that whole isolation really brought it back up to life because you also, a lot of people were seeing like, oh shit, like this government's overstepping more than they usually do. I mean, granted that we know this, but people started realizing this. So I feel like it's just a lot of things happen, but I, I do truly feel like COVID had a lot to do with um, people coming back into their spiritual beliefs. That makes a lot of sense actually, because I think, COVID helped a lot of people reprioritize a lot of things in their life, not just like uh, spiritual versus material, but, you know, like, you know, the, the, the work versus leisure uh, relationship that they had there, you know, what did they really want in life, right? Uh, now that they were sort of home and, you know, working from home, they got a little more time to like sort of catch their breath and think about things and they're you know, maybe they're spending more time with their family because they're, they're, you know, not working as much or whatever. So that I think, for, I think COVID reprioritized a lot of things for a lot of people. And um, to me, that's like the one plus side I, I've seen out of this whole COVID thing is that, you know, people are like, oh, wait, maybe I don't have to work at a fucking office you know every and drive into the office every day 45 hours a week for the rest of my life until i die you know maybe there's more to life than this right maybe i can spend more time with my kids maybe i can learn i can yoga or me you know maybe i can work from home and i can still do you know i can do yoga in the middle of the day or i can pray or i can um you know i can learn uh, start reading philosophy or buddhism or whatever the thing is you know and um there's you know there's just I think there's more to life than just um, your job, you know, just grind and grind and grind. So I think that changed a lot of uh, the perspective of a lot of people. And I think mostly for the better, really. Um, also, I think it was very clear how much the, you know, the system, the, the rational people among us, how much all of that failed us, right? And so I think that caused a lot of people to look elsewhere for, you know, information, but also their source of truth, what all of this means, you know, alternative lifestyles, alternative healthcare, 
all of these things kind of sort of all coalesce together. And I, I think you're right about COVID. I really think there's, that was a, I think it was overall actually a shift for the better. Like the government, yeah, the government overstepped and got a lot more powerful. Okay, great. They do that every single time. It's been, I've been around long enough. I've seen it happen. And, you know, every time there's a problem that always happens. So that's awful, but it's, that's just kind of how time, the state and time progresses. It's just, that's just going to happen. But the plus side is I think a lot of people really, like I said, reprioritized everything uh, about like how much, um, how much will they work? They don't want to be like a cog in the machine anymore. You know, a lot of people moved out in the middle of nowhere and are working remotely now with their feet up and their kids are playing in, in the garden and whatever else. And it's all great. Um, or they, you know, they got a, a different job or they started working for themselves and, and making widgets in their garage and selling them on eBay or whatever the thing, you know, just to, to restructure their work, what do they call that? The work, work life balance or whatever they call it. And <laughs> and the headlines now, but, um, I think that's overall. And yeah, a lot of people had more time to just figure out what it is that they believe, you know, and that's good too you know that's better than slaving away at some job forever you know so i think it's do you, do you think it was like a, a positive shift overall um like going forward after for the aftermath of covid i i mean i i have mixed feelings because i just feel you know the whole like the the line in the sand um analogy you know like i feel like they were trying to, essentially the state was just trying to see how much they could get away with, you know. So it, it just makes me nervous for the future as in the sense of um, trying to see what more they could get away with. But at the same time, it did have a very um, positive impact on a lot of people, you know. So when, you know, from finding spiritual beliefs to like the whole like remote working or, you know, finding better jobs, you know. With me, I worked in healthcare um, when I was in COVID and I had a really good job. But I've, you know, I ref they started the whole like vax mandate and they're like, well, you know, like you have until until this day. And I'm just like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm quitting. I'm not I'm not staying in this job. And it wasn't so much because I mean, I feel like people should have the 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 choice to do it, whether they want to or not. Then my whole thing with it was the fact that you are forcing people, forcing good employees to get, you know, something that they don't want whether it's, you know, they don't believe it's the correct thing for them. In my opinion, I'm, I'm young and healthy. I don't need it. Um, you know, so it, it made me realize that I was leaving away for a company that could just dispose of me whenever the fuck they felt like it. So I was like, you know what? I'm quitting. I'm not com coming back to this job. Don't reach out to me again. So I took another job in, you know, a completely different industry. And I mean, to this, to this day, I still like, I have the choice whether I want to go to the office or if I want to work from home, which is been fucking awesome because I get to work from home all the time, right? But, you know, and I know not a lot of people have that option, but I feel like a lot of people were able to prioritize um, and, you know, their life and work and life balance, you know, essentially that's the reason a lot of these employers can't find, you know, people anymore because 
people realize their self-value as, as of who they are as a worker. Yeah, and, and bingo. If like if I'm an optimist, that's the plus side of things, right? Um, people realized their time is valuable. They realized their skills are valuable, you know. Um, they realized that they're fucking needed, right? So they can kind of more, they got more leverage to sort of write their own destiny in a sense, um, at least more so than they did before. So, you know, <clears throat> yeah, you're, you're right. They, the state and the corporate giants and whatever, they tried to grab more power and they were able to do a lot of that for a while. And in some sense, they've got more control over things than they did before. But, man, I remember before 9-11, you know, like, this is how it's always been. They're always going to do that. So, like, the best we can do is carve out what freedoms we possibly can. And if uh, the if we're looking at the, the best side, it, like, you, you're actually an example of, like, what you just said is, like, now... Yeah, you had a decent job, but now you have, you're working from home and you can like, I, I don't feel like going in the fucking office today. And like, there's a certain freedom in that, you know? And I think, uh, a, a, there was a cultural shift in some sense about how people thought about their jobs and their self-worth and valuing their time. And I don't know, seeing their kids grow up or spending more time with their friends or family or getting a hobby that they actually you know finding something doing something that they actually enjoy doing right you know rather than just something they do because they have to to work you know so i think that is a signifier of a cultural shift but maybe it's a flash in the pan and this will all go back to the way it was in another year or something but um to me i don't know that that that's a good thing you know, if we're if we're looking at what good came out of that, like that's that's one of the few good things. You know, me not me nothing changed. I I was I was working at a job. I quit. I well, okay. I just started working for myself, and I've been doing that ever since. But um, it wasn't because of COVID, and my life changed very little during COVID. But um, I think for a lot of people, there I, there's a it changed a lot of things. Even I think even more so than they realize. And, um, you know, like you, you just said, you lost your job because of those the controls, but now you have a job and I don't know your situation personally, but that, that sounds more appealing to me to be able to work from home and choose whether you actually want to go in the, and commute and you can, you know, do what you need to do at the house. And also you don't, I mean, you don't, <laughs> you don't have to drive in the commute. You don't have to like put pants on if you don't want to, you know what I mean? Like there's something significantly better like there's more leisure in that than there is in like slaving away at the office all day right i don't know um to me that seems um better but i don't know that's my personal thing yeah no uh, it, it, i mean it really is and i feel like and and you know i, I feel like it's probably going to stick because i feel like people are realizing their value as employees you know like where the you know you have that fantastic term you know the wage slave you know and it's just like you don't have to you choose you know where you know where you want to work there's so and again the job market's pretty pretty open like for example in my industry like um 
they kind of have to have you work from home because there are other companies that are literally posting that as the perk for my particular line of work. So it's just like, I don't really foresee it changing. Um, and honestly, I, I think people should have the choice if you're productive, if you're obviously productive at home, you should be able to work from home if you want to, you know, and, or people are, you know, choosing better hours if they're working on a, in, in, you know, on site for whatever industry they work for. But I feel like that work-life balance has gotten better, honestly. Yeah, I mean, that's a kind of a thing that I, we've been saying or I've been saying throughout the time we've been doing this podcast is like the technology is there and, and society is there and we, mostly technology and the capabilities and the implementation of that technology is definitely there to give us a lot freer, more comfortable lives, more prosperous lives or lives where we have like more disposable, you know, income or the equivalent or like we can afford much more comfort for much less. And I mean admittedly like this system that we live on the system or like succession of systems or whatever that we've lived under over the past few hundred years has has worked that way tremendously but like at the same time i you know you can't deny that so our the narrative that i think that you should have instead is that like so much of it is still gate kept gate kept from us by just the circumstances and just i don't I, I mean i can't even analyze like all the things that were maybe keeping that and some of it of course is the technology but like when technology is developed um that obviously under the conditions of a pand pandemic allowed like for this mass shift towards this you know what was originally a slow creep it's very more top level jobs towards work from home but but when there was this like outside pressure we ended up with a kind of paradigm shift that was that allows us a lot more freedom and a lot more um you know self-determination at least for you know some lines of work um but that really with a lot of economic growth what you what you actually see is that the gains are so concentrated at the top even though in the long-term trend has been like we've obviously living much much better lives than people did you know just decades ago um so it's it's really good and i think this opens up a lot of opportunities for more people to you know work from home and to do things which gives them more time let's face it work is something we do because we have to do and it's 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 a it's a responsibility to bring in cash from the outside you know economy it's not exactly the freest most libertarian thing sure you can work um it, are we coerced to work for a wage well um if you buy that argument to any extent, if we are noticeably just by changing economic conditions and like the changing outside circumstances, less coerced to work, less coerced in our work, and we are more freer and we are living, we are like, we do have more freedom to, you know, voluntarily work in the way we choose and how we choose and the job we choose and everything. Um, Given that, like, obviously, the, the status economy is is shaky in its own ways, um, it's tremendously beneficial because ultimately, like, for what end do we want this freedom? We want to be able to work on our own projects. We want to, like, have our own property, work for our own projects, choose our own ends and work towards them and then, like, gain resources from the outside world that allow us to basically work towards our own projects, whatever they are, whether they're hobbies or our family or, like, 
you know, putting something away for your retirement or, you know, building a homestead, whatever it is that you're doing, you're just living a comfortable life, you know, which is something everybody's to some extent. And um, so anything that allows us to move in that direction or allows us to move into a direction where it's more, we're more able to do side hustles or part-time jobs or like non-commercial projects, products, maybe you're doing like a, a co-op or like a community garden or something, or maybe, you, um, you know, full on self-employment. I think anything that helps us move into that direction because, you know, economic growth is great and te technological advancement is great, but to what end it should be to the end of like human flourishing and freedom. And I think that that's, you know, I think we've got, we've had an odd boost in that direction. And I hope it continues, you know, I have a lot longer. I, I hope to live on this earth a lot longer now. I, I want it to be more comfortable than not, but yeah. Um, I mean, wouldn't you say that I think we've, we've achieved a certain, amount of, of of real freedom that we could actually appreciate as like libertarian anarchist types just like material freedom even if the laws didn't change and i think that's kind of the model going forward wouldn't you agree with would you agree with that or not um no no i i, I agree um and i think people are starting to just become a little bit more self-reliant you know like and i think you know, a lot of it happened with COVID. Like I learned to do a lot of things that I didn't do before because obviously I had more time, um, you know, so like I didn't know a thing about canning. I started canning like fucking crazy during COVID, you know, um, I didn't know a thing about gardening. I started doing a lot of gardening, started growing, you know, my own vegetables, um, you know, and just experimenting with, you know, like, plants and like got really big into like growing poppies and you know just gr you know growing my own um uh, just rent like my zucchinis and everything and just canning those and just picked up a lot of things that I didn't know how to do and it, it was crazy because I'm like I could have been doing this a long time ago but I didn't have the time I didn't have the option to do it and I mean I wouldn't say the option but I didn't have the knowledge you know and I just didn't have the need for it until basically once COVID happened, I'm like, oh, I, this would be something fun to learn. Um, so yeah, I feel like people are, you know, realizing, you know, again, back to the point of becoming more self-reliant and, you know, just realizing that they don't have to essentially abide by certain laws, you know, and you see that a lot, which is awesome within like the 3D printing community um, that they they do that, you know, like, or people within the gun community as well. Like, it's just like, I'm not going to turn my, you know, my brace in. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's cool. I think I've seen that a lot. I, I would definitely agree with uh, having that much more freedom, um, you know, just being, you know, within your, you know, being self-reliant. So, yeah. Yeah, I think it should be a lesson that we want freedom. If, if you like advocate for political freedom or something like that, then, it's got to be for an end, you know, it's not just, you know, poli nothing political is really an end for itself. So, yeah, I think I can really appreciate what you're talking about. Can't work from home, but I, there's a, a whole lot I can do with with technology. And it's, it's just, you know, basically our narrative always been like, yeah, we appreciate this technology, but like the benefits of, of it so often, I think, have been like a cup. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. And it's a, you know, for example, like my, my partner, he doesn't work from home, like he, um, you know, he has another line of job, but um, it's, 
pretty funny because it's like he he has now he has the options now where he could essentially just like works for days a week and just rest like three days and it's just not an option that a lot of people had before you know and I feel like a lot of jobs are becoming that like that so I think um, even for somebody that doesn't work from home or it doesn't work you know within using that technology there's you know there's such a desperate need for workers within the markets that they're you know that essentially people because people are just you know they're not willing to sacrifice their time to put in like bazillion hours that they don't want to work Hey, y'all, I got something cool to tell you about. So you know how uh, I'm doing a big initiative to try to get more people to Gorilla Garden? Well, uh, Daggerist over at agaristacres.com, he's kind of teaming up with me a little bit here to help support this uh, cause. So if you use the code AGORA10 uh, over at agaristacres.com, you'll get 10% off. Um, for any reason um, you're buying seeds, whether that be grill gardening or your own garden, anything like that. But if you contact Daggerist uh, or myself and you tell them that I sent you to get seeds for gorilla gardening, he might be able to swing an additional hookup. Um, it might be just whatever he's got, you know, a uh, surplus of or that kind of thing, whatever he can do. Um, so he's he's down for the cause here and really wants to help uh, see this come to fruition. Um, so I'm, I am Sekmagora, at Sekmagora on all the, the um, social media. You can contact Dagoras directly on his website, uh, agoristakers.com again. And uh, the code is Agora10 to just get 10, uh, 10% off straight up. And um, tell him I sent you for, for Gorilla Gardening and you'll... Uh, He'll, he'll try to hook you up however he can. And um, this is what we got to do. We got to support people that support us that want to see more of this in the world. Um, so, again, it's agrostakers.com. Check it out um, and get out there and, and, and cause, a, cause a ruckus and get some gorilla gardening done. All right, y'all. Peace. Yeah, and, you know, also... He, he, you can also, uh, I'll give you an example of what I mean. My business, I, I'm self-employed. My business boomed during COVID and has been ever since. So I can essentially charge what I want to in, in some sense because uh, there's so much work going on uh, that most people can't even get anyone to call them back. You know, they can, I, I do landscaping and they, they're like, I've called. 50 different landscapers i can't get anybody to call me back and like all i gotta do is call back and i can just charge mostly whatever i want and then but you know yes that means yay i'm making more money but that also means like i have more leeway to be able to sort of choose my own schedule or do other pro projects here at the homestead you know we do a lot of gardening and canning ourselves here or uh it just gives you more options right you can do more things that you want to do or uh, improve yourself or whatever and you know we're always learning new skills and new hobbies and projects around here too and it takes money to do those things so you know it, it's it's weird to say but money in some sense is like freedom and time so um 
yeah, I think uh, I think they the state and we'll say the powers that be or the corporate class or whoever. I think they overplayed their hand during COVID. This is this is why I'm not so much worried about the government overreach in the sense that I think they overplayed their hand. So the end result, I have the same opinion about MK Ultra and the CIA dumping a bunch of LSD on people in the 60s because the end result was like the anti-war <laughs> movement for Vietnam. So I I think the over, they overplayed their hand with COVID and the corporate uh, uh, you know um, companies and such tried to control so much of their workers lives that it backfired. And so now you have all these people where the powers like start the economic power or the bargaining power is starting to shift back to the workers or the little guy or, or, you know, however you want to classify that class. But um, I think the power is shifting back that way. And to me, that is actually the result of the, uh, the government and the corporation's reaction to, to COVID. So they, in some weird roundabout way, shot themselves in the foot. Am I making any sense damn. here at all? Damn, damn, that's so profound, though. I mean, the whole thing we've been talking about, like culminating what you just said. I mean, think about it. Like, how many people do we, do we talk to have this whole narrative about, like, the UN and Agenda 21 and like the, the WEF and you, they're going to make you eat the bugs and live in a pod and everything. And they're going to abolish all property and, 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 and all this other stuff. And it's satanic or whatever. And they're going to basically this, the, 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 it's the new, the new version of, of course, this, this basically like globalist conspiracy that totalitarianism is around the corner. There's always a fear that like true, like absolute totalitarianism is around the corner, but like what a, what an amazing um, kind of take on this thing that I think people are, are, are universally people in our community universally have kind of a fairly similar reaction to, which is the COVID lockdowns and everything. Um, certainly an alternative take. I think it's pretty profound. And I think, I think we all agree that that's been our rough assessment of like, you know, rough assessment of the thing in hindsight, at least. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, no, and I could definitely see it in that way, you know, and obviously I'm still, obviously, oh, I will always have that, you know, you have to have that healthy distrust in, you know, in the government, but yeah, no, I could definitely see it that way. You know, like I just kind of did backfire because now you just have people like, it's just funny. Cause I remember like pre COVID, you just had like situations where like many jobs were like, testing for drugs you know like just in this like now like every time and like i see it's funny because i'll just see random job posting it's just like no drug tests it's just like what the fuck it's great to see love to see it it's like we don't even care if you're doing blow in the bathroom just please show up i don't we don't care at all (laughs) (laughs) so true it's amazing to see it i I just it's it's been my my favorite take about like the whole like COVID, you know, locked out just, and it's true. It did backfire on them. It's great. I, yeah, I, it's weird thinking of myself as an optimist, but I kind of am, uh, in some sense. Like, I think, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, I'm a nihilist, right? <laughs> so I'm supposed to be all doom and gloom, right? But, uh, 
no i think like uh like the, it's the best of times it's the worst of times like the, the state's gonna keep getting gnarly and the corporate structure is gonna keep being fascistic right but um in some weird fucking way i think things are gonna get better and um what did uh, foucault call it he called it the shadow or the cracks like uh you can it's going to become easier to carve out spaces of liberation i think for people like us when pe people that might not even be necessarily anarchists but people that are just fed up with this fucking system or it's failed them in some way or they're tired of the rat race or whatever the thing and it's going to become much easier in the future uh post covid to carve out spaces of uh you know liberation and prosperity for just your average person you don't even have to be rich anymore you know you just find a little uh, little space or a fucking whatever it is you want to do find out what it is what you want to do and and it's go do it you know and i think uh that's just going to get easier and easier and less costly going forward so um i personally am pretty optimistic about the future i don't know right and i honestly like you know i it's it's funny that you mentioned that because just you know i have family members that have always been like diehard democrats or you know we have one that another one that's republican but it, it's funny to see them have discussions when you know when the family meets like they're, they're like there just has to be a better way like you know like the economy is flopping and they're just becoming more aware of what's going on you know and not from the perspective of what the news is telling you which to me it's kind of insane i'm just like are you that you guys would not have said this a few years ago this is crazy yeah and i mean honestly uh, that's i mean that's super positive you know what i mean like if you can it's just that that crack in the veneer of the state you know what i mean or it's like wait a minute maybe this is all fucked you know like that's that's step one you know what i mean so like i'll take that uh I, i'll tell you i i've always gotten along with the people that are like i don't know what the word it is is for it but that seems to be like the vast majority of people, right? But they're like just super apolitical and they're just like, no, the system's fucked. I'm just going to go fucking drink beer and ride quads. I don't care. And, you know, like that's just to me that that is, uh, I think there's way more of those people <laughs> than uh, anybody who like has any sort of faith in the system, right? I think that's actually the vast majority of people are like, no, fuck the Democrats, fuck the Republicans. I don't trust any of the all politicians are crooks or whatever the thing. They're not like anarchists or anything like that. They don't care about politics at all. But they, I met a ton of these people in California. People think of uh, California as all liberal and stuff. But I know a bunch of people that they just didn't care at all about politics at all, philosophy at all. They just wanted to go shoot guns in the desert, ride their sand rails and drink Bud Light. You know, that was like. That was what they they didn't care about anything else, and to me, those are fucking our allies in some weird way, in the in the sense that um, the I will take that over like somebody some the uh, theory nerd in some sense, you know, because because it's just going to become easier even for people like that to just go do what they want to do in life. And you don't need to know like a bunch of fucking theory to just go do what you want to do. You know what I mean? So uh, 
to me, there's a like be, even more so than like big L libertarians. Like those people are weirdly like ideological. Uh, no, that's not the right word. Uh, there's a bridge there. They're 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 allies in some weird weird way. Um, I don't know. I yeah, don't know. I, where I, I, I agree with that. that. No, I agree with that. I, I I've really been shifting my views more towards like uh, recently. So well after starting the podcast, I've been really shifting my views more towards like being um, having my uh, I don't know how to work this at all, man. But having my views kind of contiguous or like relatable to like normal people that you know. I, ideological weirdos are great, but you know, I, I don't think we're, we're, I'm not trying to exist in a place so far. Like, Oh, I'm so radical. I'm outside the, the norm. But, uh, I mean, I think in the end we're trying to, um, we're trying to reach or we're trying to, you know, build a world of normalcy, I guess, out of what maybe we consider, maybe normalcy in the sense of like a normalcy bias, but maybe isn't, isn't, is, is designed by policy and by decision. So, uh, I can relate a hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you, you just can't stay stuck. And I think it's, uh, it, it, people that, you know, that are anarchists or, or libertarian or whatever that are starting to, you know, just hang out, you know, just, relate more to, you know, the, again, the apolitical person, because it's just got to get out of that uh, echo chamber, you know, you can't just be hearing your own ideas while there are people who probably agree with you, but they don't want the government to overstep and overreach, but they're just, again, you know, they're not into, like, theory, or they don't have, like, a a party or something that they align themselves with, because they just really don't give a fuck, they just want to, you know, just want to live and let live, that's all they want. Well, we should uh, we should start wrapping this up for too long. Um, it's old and it's past my bed. I'm old and it's past my <laughs> bedtime. See, I don't even know what's going on. But um, do you have any like parting thoughts? Um, you know, do, uh, something unique to um, being a, a woman yourself and. Um, and anarchism as a whole, like, or who are some of these famous women anarchists that you draw from? Um, do you find, um, do you find yourself more comfortable around other women anarchists? Like what, is there a, there was a vibe I was going for, but I can't, I can't think of it, but um, what, what do you think, uh, y- any parting wisdom, I guess we'll say, as a as a woman anarchist, like, do you think there's um, something that where we don't understand? <laughs> um, honestly, I I really don't. I've never been in the, in the in the sense of like I've you know I I know a couple you know from you know Twitter or whatever, but um you know I've never really met too many women anarchists within outside the internet so i do have uh-huh. a couple friends that i know you know but i feel like um again and then just starting with that thought of like i've met a lot of women who are apolitical um you know they're not into theory but i think i, I don't know i don't I, I feel for the most part i like guys within the community have been pretty understanding you know with and 
I wouldn't say that I just never really had a really bad experience with like having a male anarchist not understand something, you know, like I think mm. for the most part, I just haven't. But I, I really wouldn't say I have any like parting thoughts or wisdom, but um, I I really appreciate you guys having me on and thank you. It was like my first time doing a podcast. I'm just like, what am I doing? Wait, this is your first podcast ever? Yeah. Woohoo. All right. Crazy. Well, see, it wasn't bad at all. It's, Listen, this is like a weird thing. You know what I mean? Like podcasting is a weird, unnatural, awkward thing. Like you're trying to like, okay, ready, go have a conversation, which never happens in real life. So it's like, it definitely feels awkward. It still feels awkward to me sometimes. And we've been doing this for two years. So it, like, don't, you did all, fine for your first time, you know, so don't, don't worry about that at all. The feeling nervous and awkward is definitely the norm. I would uh, I would be weirded out by the person who did not feel weird and awkward by this sort of thing. So, um, so no, uh, to us too. We still don't, like I said, we still don't know what we're doing. We've been doing this for like two years and we just get on the mic and talk and people cl keep listening. So I don't know, but no, you did fine. Thanks for coming on. It was a blast. Um, are, do you like declare? I do. I would kind of get, I would have guessed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely do. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I mean, I don't know what to say as a parting thought. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. No, that was, that was perfect. That was perfect. I mean, um, what, is she your favorite woman anarchist or favorite anarchist at all? Um, I mean, I'm not much like of a theory, theory nerd. I do. Right. I mean, I do read theory, but I, I really, really, really enjoy Emma Goldman. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm a huge fan, actually. I definitely dig some Emma Goldman. I like Declare's writing. There's yeah, something her, about yeah. her writing that is way. It doesn't even matter what she's talking about. It's just like the way she writes. I really enjoy. Yeah, she is a really good writer too. Uh -huh. so, so yeah, her writing's fantastic. But yeah, yeah it's probably because she was also a poet. You know, so like even uh -huh. her like non poetry reads like poetry in some weird way. I don't know, or like prose. So I always really, I really dig her. I like Goldman too. She's awesome, but um, I like Goldman f because she remained consistent after the Bolshevik Revolution. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's what I love about her. She was like, "Oh, the fuck this," and like, "This is not what I signed." Like it was mm -hmm. a, an affront to her own ideals and principles and i respect the fuck out of her for that yeah agreed she she's she's great um but yeah yeah no sorry i don't i don't have like a parting thought or anything like that i'm sorry <laughs> no you're good you're good well thanks for coming on um do you want to do you want people to find you do you want to plug a thing um i mean if they want <laughs> all right throw out your twitter twitter handle in Okay, I would. Oh, go ahead. Is, does that go in like the comments or on the chat? <laughs> no, no, no. Just give it. Uh, just what do you mean? No, just oh. tell people where they can find you. Oh yeah, you guys can find me on Twitter. Um... Oh, she just left. What happened? She just hit a button. Maybe maybe she went to load her Twitter account and <laughs> <laughs> dropped that. There she is. Wow. 
And she's back. All right, right on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I hit the back the back button. I'm using my phone right now, so I hit the back button and oh, yeah. just, uh, kind of kick myself out. Um, so what was I saying? Oh yeah, if you guys want to find me on Twitter, um it would be under Uwu Haina, and that's how you could find me. If you could find me. <laughs> Right on. Well, um, yeah. Thanks again for coming on. This uh, this is a really good conversation. So you did just fine for your first time. Uh, this was awesome. And um, everybody listening, be excellent to each other. And uh, we'll see you all next time. Penguin, you close us out. Yeah. Um, find us on Twitter as well. Uh, Agora underscore Pod. You can interact with both of us hosts or. Um, Go to our Telegram. Sec, how do they go to our Telegram? Uh, it's that's a good question. Our Discord, whatever. Just go to one of those. Hold on, it's just a Gore the Podcast on Telegram. Yes, Gore the Podcast on Telegram. The okay, Gore Podcast on Telegram. Awesome. Okay, we'll do that. Interact with us on Twitter. We're all on Twitter. Um. That seems to be the place to be. So thanks for joining us and peace out. All right, peace. Bye. I want